welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. And if there ever comes a time when we are present in a place where there is a lack of love for any of God's children, without forcing it, let us be that presence of love in the void. Let us call first to the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, our mighty I am presence, to express and radiate our divine love and light. Then to the angels of the sacred fire, wherever or whenever it is required. And that should be a continuous call on each and everyone's part. Because the utmost necessity in the world at this time and in the hearts and minds of mankind is an influx of genuine love and divine protection. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. Now, with the view of branding the apostles with some mark of ignorance, they put forth the case of Peter and them that were with him having been rebuked by Paul. Something, therefore, they say, was wanting in them. This they allege, in order that they may from this construct that other position of theirs, that a fuller knowledge may possibly have afterwards come over the apostles, such as fell to the share of Paul, when he rebuked those who preceded him. The fact is, having been converted from a persecutor to a preacher, he is introduced as one of the brethren to brethren, by brethren, to them indeed, by men who had put on faith from the apostles' hands. As he himself narrates, he went up to Jerusalem for the purpose of seeing Peter, because of his office, no doubt, and by right of a common belief in preaching. They accordingly even gave him the right hand of fellowship as a sign of their agreement with him, and arranged amongst themselves a distribution of office, not a diversity of gospel, so that they should severally preach not a different gospel, but the same, to different persons, Peter to the circumcision, Paul to the Gentiles. It does not appear from this, that any other God than the Creator, or any other Christ than the Son of Mary, or any other hope than the Resurrection, was, by Him, announced. Never mind those who pass sentence on apostles. It is a happy fact that Peter is on the same level with Paul in the very glory of martyrdom. Now, although Paul was carried away even to the third heaven, and was caught up to paradise, and heard certain revelations there, yet these cannot possibly seem to have qualified him for teaching another doctrine, seeing that their very nature was such as to render them communicable to no human being. If, however, that unspeakable mystery did leak out, and become known to any man, and if any heresy affirms that it does itself follow the same, then either Paul must be charged with having betrayed the secret, or some other man must actually be shown to have been afterwards, caught up into paradise, who had permission to speak out plainly what Paul was not allowed even to mutter. But here is, 
As we have said, the same madness in their allowing indeed that the apostles were ignorant of nothing, and preached not any doctrines which contradicted one another, but at the same time insisting that they did not reveal all to all men, for that they proclaimed some openly and to all the world, whilst they disclosed others only in secret and to a few, because Paul addressed even this expression to Timothy, O Timothy, guard that which is entrusted to thee, and again, that good thing which was committed unto thee keep. What is this deposit? Is it so secret as to be supposed to characterize a new doctrine? Or is it a part of that charge of which he says, This charge I commit unto thee son Timothy? And also, of that precept of which he says, I charge thee in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Jesus Christ who witnessed a good confession under Pontius Pilate, that thou keep this commandment. Now, what is this commandment, and what is this charge? From the preceding and the succeeding context, it will be manifest that there is no mysterious hint darkly suggested in this expression about some far-fetched doctrine, but that a warning is rather given against receiving any other doctrine than that which Timothy had heard from himself, as I take it publicly, before many witnesses, is his phrase. Now, if they refuse to allow that the church is meant by these many witnesses, it matters nothing, since nothing could have been secret which was produced before many witnesses. Nor, again, must the circumstance of his having wished him to commit these things to faithful men, who should be able to teach others also, be construed into a proof of there being some occult gospel. For when he says, these things, he refers to the things of which he is writing at the moment. In reference, however, to occult subjects, he would have called them, as being absent, those things, not these things, to one who had a joint knowledge of them with himself. Besides which, it must have followed that, for the man to whom he committed the ministration of the gospel, he would add the injunction that it be not ministered in all places, and without respect to persons, in accordance with the Lord's saying, not to cast one's pearls before swine, nor that which is holy unto dogs. Openly did the Lord speak without any intimation of a hidden mystery. He had himself commanded that, whatsoever they had heard in darkness and in secret, they should declare in the light and on the housetops. He had himself foreshown, by means of a parable, that they should not keep back in secret, fruitless of interest, a single pound, that is, one word of his. He used himself to tell them that a candle was not usually pushed away under a bushel, but placed on a candlestick, in order to give light to all who were in the house. These things the apostles either neglected, or failed to understand, if they fulfilled them not, by concealing any portion of the light, that is, of the word of God and the mystery of Christ. Although, even supposing that among intimate friends, so to speak, they did hold certain discussions, yet it is incredible that these could have been such as to bring in some other rule of faith, differing from and contrary to that which they were proclaiming through the Catholic churches, as if they spoke of one God in the church, and another at home, and described one substance of Christ publicly, and another secretly, and announced one hope of the resurrection before all men, and another before the few, although they themselves, in their epistles, besought men that they would all speak one and the same thing, and that there should be no divisions and dissensions in the church, seeing that they, whether Paul or others preached the same things. Moreover, they remembered the words, Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than this cometh of evil, so that they were not to handle the gospel in a diversity of treatment. Andy Nicene Fathers, Volume 3, The Writings of the Fathers Down to A.D. 325 Chapter 3
Let us from point to point this story know. All's well that ends well, Act 5, Scene 3. He is the one, self-proceeding, and from him all things proceed. And in them he himself exerts his activity, no mortal beholds him, but he beholds all. Orphic him. And Athens, O Athena, is thy own. Great goddess, hear. And on thy darkened mind pour thy pure light in measure unconfined, that sacred light, O all-proceeding queen, which beams eternal from thy face serene. My soul, while wandering on the earth, inspire with thy own blessed and impulsive fire. Proclus, Taylor, Minerva. Now faith is the substance of things. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies in peace. Hebrews 11 1, 31. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way. James 2, 14, 25. Clement describes Basilides, the Gnostic, as a philosopher devoted to the contemplation of divine things. This very appropriate expression may be applied to many of the founders of the more important sects which later were all engulfed in one, that stupendous compound of unintelligible dogmas enforced by Irenaeus, Tertullian, and others, which is now termed Christianity. If these must be called heresies, then early Christianity itself must be included in the number. Basilides and Valentinus preceded Irenaeus and Tertullian, and the two latter fathers had less facts than the two former Gnostics to show that their heresy was plausible. Neither divine right nor truth brought about the triumphs of their Christianity, fate alone was propitious. H. P. Blavatsky We can assert, with entire plausibility, that there is not one of all these sects, Kabbalism, Judaism, and our present Christianity included, but sprung from the two main branches of that one mother trunk, the once universal religion, which antedated the Vedaic ages, we speak of that prehistoric Buddhism, which merged later into Brahmanism. The religion which the primitive teaching of the early few apostles most resembled, a religion preached by Jesus himself, is the elder of these two, Buddhism. The latter is taught in its primitive purity and carried to perfection by the last of the Buddhas, Gautama, based its moral ethics on three fundamental principles. It alleged that one, everything existing, exists from natural causes, two, that virtue brings its own reward and vice and sin their own punishment, and three, that the state of man in this world is probationary. We might add that on these three principles rested the universal foundation of every religious creed, God, and individual immortality for every man, if he could but win. However puzzling the subsequent theological tenets, however seemingly incomprehensible the metaphysical abstractions which have convulsed the theology of every one of the great religions of mankind as soon as it was placed on a sure footing, the above is found to be the essence of every religious philosophy, with the exception of later Christianity. It was that of Zoroaster, of Pythagoras, of Plato, of Jesus, and even Moses, albeit the teachings of the Jewish lawgiver have been so piously tampered with. We will devote the present chapter mainly to a brief survey of the numerous sects which have recognized themselves as Christians, that is to say, that have believed in a Christos, or an anointed one. We will also endeavor to explain the latter appellation from the capitalistic standpoint and show it reappearing in every religious system. It might be profitable, at the same time, to see how much the earliest apostles, Paul and Peter, agreed in their preaching of the new dispensation. We will begin with Peter. H. P. Blavatsky 
the I Am Discourses, Volume 16. You need to live in the world of the angels, because it's more comfortable within their sacred fire and their love, than it is in the hatred of mankind in the outer world. So if you want to live in the world of peace and comfort, I assure you, the angelic hosts can easily draw in and around you the sacred fire that is their world of manifestation, their world of love, their world of power and victory. Now if it's healing you require, it's certainly more comfortable to be harmonious in the atmosphere of the angelic host than it is in the atmosphere of many conditions in the world. Precious ones, regardless of how long it takes or how much effort it takes to purify conditions in this nation and the world, it's got to be done. You certainly don't want destructive conditions to get any worse, and if you are going to keep them from getting worse, you are going to have to cover them over with cosmic sacred fire. And if you are going to get rid of them completely, there must come more cosmic sacred fire until they are dissolved from manifestation forever. Mankind unascended cannot solve their problems. And so those of you who understand how to call to the angels of the sacred fire to come everywhere that sacred fire is needed and establish it as the controlling power in this world, then many changes will take place that people cannot understand, but they will be a powerful protection and assistance to those who are trying to do right. The angels of the sacred fire should be called into mankind's daily activities to hold command and to compel protection and the victory of what is right, by that sacred fire. Don't be afraid to call them, legions of the angels of the sacred fire, to come everywhere that sacred fire is needed, and God knows, it's needed everywhere in the world. There is no place on this earth where it cannot be a greater blessing. Beloved Archangel Michael, Beloved ones, if you have the assistance of the angels of the sacred fire in addition to these powerful decrees that you're sending forth, it will be just like a mantle of protection about you. And like an anchor to a ship, it will hold you so steady upon the pathway to your goal, that interference will not be able longer to disturb you or delay your victory. We are an activity, beloved ones, established by the cosmic law, to keep mankind reminded of the power from our octave that is ready to assist. And the angelic host are those who go and come at intervals to intensify that sacred fire into outer physical conditions. When the violet flame passes through you, you feel more comfortable. When this cosmic sacred fire passes through a city or a nation, it is more comfortable for the people. And this year, if I were you, I would call for the legions of the angels of the sacred fire to bless the atmosphere of earth, and make it the comfort of the love of the angelic host. This will do much to offset some of the conditions that have been charged into the atmosphere of earth that are imposing such distress upon life. If you want to control the powers of nature or the forces of the elements, you call for the legions of the angels of the sacred fire to blaze their cosmic love that controls the conditions in the powers of nature and forces of the elements, and you will find a very much more balanced condition coming forth in your outer affairs. This will re-establish much that has been thrown out of balance both by wars and all your atomic experiments. You do not realize, my dear ones, what the wars have meant over the last half century in the disturbance of the powers of nature and forces of the elements. Nobody realizes, until you see it from our octave, what mankind has done to torture itself through war. And so now you are the open door into the realm of the sacred fire. The legions of angels of the sacred fire are ready to come to your assistance at your conscious call, for all of the angelic hosts control of the atmosphere of your land, and the powers of nature will spread their love over conditions that have been in turmoil, and at least where you abide, those conditions can be held harmonized and under control, so you do not feel as much of the stress of disturbance, as those of the outer world.
Beloved Archangel Michael, 